looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the circuit. Gets smoked right away. And that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I, I don't want to take shots at Mike McCarthy. That's that's not what I'm doing by playing that play in the intro. It was the last game of the weekend. That was the lasting image of the weekend, I think, for football fans. Certainly for Cowboy fans, for better or worse. Ezekiel Elliott getting bowled over. Poor Mike McCarthy. I, I'm not taking shots at Mike McCarthy today. I will not rip Mike McCarthy. I don't think he coached a perfect game yesterday. I think there was a lot of different things that went wrong for the Cowboys that were not the fault of Mike McCarthy. Let's put it that way. So that intro is by no means a shot at, at the big guy, Mike McCarthy. I just, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. And that was the lasting image of football for the weekend. It was the last game last night, but also the last play. And Also, if you line up in a weird formation and it goes really poorly, we're going to laugh at it. We're probably going to laugh at it even if it goes well. That's just how it's going to work. McCarthy should have known that. A little breaking Badgers news as of 10 or 15 minutes ago. Max Klesmit is out tonight for Wisconsin. Uh, since he's out with an upper body injury, can we just postpone the game? Work for Northwestern. Kidding, kind of. I'm sensitive to COVID. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but like, can we just, let's just postpone the game, you know, a couple of days until Wisconsin's at full strength. Hmm? Uh, no need. Jordan Davis will be cooking tonight. That is not a prediction. That's a spoiler. And you heard it here on the Wisco Sports Show. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a great weekend. Some good football games. I don't know if they're on the level of Super Wild Card Weekend, but still very good football games. Even though like Bills and Bengals wasn't close. It was still a very satisfying football game to watch because a game like that answered so many questions. It's like, oh, the Bills were a little bit overrated and maybe Josh Allen isn't quite the guy that everyone is making him out to be and Joe Burrow is him. Like, we still got a lot of answers this weekend, even if the games weren't all that satisfying. Saturday night's game, the Giants and the Eagles, not satisfying, but told us what we needed to know. Right. Same with last night's game. The Cowboys and the Niners told us what we needed to know, even if these games weren't as entertaining and white knuckle exciting as they were a week ago for Super Wild Card Weekend. Tonight, I have a million different things I want to get to. I'm just scrolling the rundown right now. A lot of different Packers things. No Aaron Rodgers speculation. I guess Adam Schefter's been cooking. Ian Rappaport's been cooking. They've been going on shows and saying this about the Packers and Rodgers. I just call me when it's done. If the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers, we'll talk about it when it happens. I'm kind of done speculating. I gave my statement last week. If they're going to trade him, great. Good luck, Rodgers. If he wants to come back, awesome. I'd love for him to retire a Packer. If he wants to retire, God bless you in your future endeavors. Enjoy your retirement and your vast fortune and all of your accomplishments. I don't care. I don't think the reality for next year's Packers team changes whether Rodgers is playing or not. Whatever. The Packers are the Packers for right now. Rodgers is kind of separate from all of this, honestly. So if the Packers trade Rodgers, great. We'll talk about it. It'll be electric. It'll be really crazy. We'll take calls. But until that happens, I'm I'm not too intent on breaking down Adam Schefter hits on ESPN. I just, I don't want to do it. But we do have some Packers things to discuss tonight. I'm actually, actually, listen to this, going to give Joe Barry a little bit of credit. I swear, Vagabond John better be listening when that happens. It's all he's wanted for the last three months. I'm going to give Joe Barry 
a little bit of credit. We're going to talk about the Packers roster. We're going to talk about quarterbacks. So many different things I want to get to tonight. I'm really excited. You can call the show, 608-796-2558, and you can tweet me, at Wisco Grant. I was in Milwaukee this weekend, and I stayed until this morning. So I was driving home this morning. I don't work until late, so what do I? I stopped at our, our beautiful Madison affiliate, The Zone, and saw the fellas there today. I even saw Zach Heilprin, gave him a nice wave. I did not ruin his morning by going and striking up a conversation. And I was driving home this morning. I was very excited to listen to Milwaukee Sports Radio, you know, the big city of our state. That, that's the crown jewel, right? Home to two pro sports teams. The Packers flagship is there. That's that's the best of the best, right? So when I left this morning, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be able to take in so much good sports talk this morning. I can't wait. It was not that great. I was I was very disappointed, the couple of shows that I listened to. One show spent like a half hour arguing about whether Mike McCarthy should have or would have gone for two if the Cowboys tied it. Electric. Uh, they were arguing about whether the games from the weekend were good. A good game. I'm like, wow, this is... This is thrilling. I have some actual thoughts on each of the four games from this weekend. And then we'll get to the Packers. I think we learned, as I said, so much this weekend about the NFL at large, especially the AFC. But I also think we learned a lot this weekend about our Packers. I think we learned a lot about our quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. We learned a lot about our roster, our coaching. I think this weekend taught us a bunch about the Packers. So I want to start with these games and then we'll get into the Packers and what we learned. Uh, Kansas City, Jacksonville and Giants Eagles on Saturday. I could be brief on these Saturday games. I have less to say on these than I do yesterday's games, which is Bills, Bengals, and then Niners, Cowboys last night. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. It's not particularly close. I feel like we should all be in agreement on this, but in case we're not, I'll just go ahead and say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. No one is close to him. We're not saying that Josh Allen is next to him or Herbert is next. No, 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 no. Herbert, Allen, Burrow, the tier below, they can fight for number two, and and number two's still really good. Mahomes is on a tier by himself. He was making jump passes. He was maneuvering and, and, and mixing with the defense, and then he hurt his ankle, and it really didn't seem to make a difference in the second half. He was still throwing some unbelievable balls with a high ankle sprain. It just blows me away what the Chiefs did this year. They took a purposeful step back. They traded away their star wide receiver, and they played a ton of rookies, especially on defense, especially in the secondary, which is not necessarily conducive to winning, and it didn't matter, what, for the fifth straight year they're hosting the AFC Championship game? I guess nothing new with the Chiefs. Everything we thought they were, they are who we thought they were coming into this weekend, and they proved it on Saturday. Giants-Eagles at night. This game, I think, showed us how watered down the NFC was this year because the Giants comfortably made the playoffs. The Vikings comfortably made the playoffs. Daniel Jones paddled the Vikings' asses up and down the field last weekend and then had that done to him on Saturday night by the Eagles. The NFC just wasn't very good this year to the point where we've seen two teams look like they don't belong at all in the Vikings and the Giants, and then we made the Eagles to make them out to look even worse, right? The NFC was so watered down this year. My one thought on this game, and it'll be brief because it doesn't really matter. Nick Sirianni needs to chill. I I think I've had enough of this guy marching up and down the sideline with his beanie almost pulled over his eyes. He looks like a dumb middle schooler. And he's like, I know what I'm effing doing. Hey, Nick Sirianni, I don't doubt that you're a good coach. You go for the correct fourth downs. You do the smart quarterback sneaks. You You do all the smart stuff. But Howie Roseman assembled you a team of Avengers, okay? And your analytics team is tremendous and your player development is tremendous. 
you were the guy they brought Peterson didn't like. And you're the guy who, sure, calls for the fourth down. But chill out, man. Howie Roseman gave you an all-star team. And you're calling out guys from WIIP and your print. Just shut up. I just don't like Nick Sirianni. I don't doubt that he's not a good coach. He's a fine coach, but he, man, you're not the reason this team is so good. So I'm just a little sick of Nick Sirianni. I guess I just had to say that. The two Saturday games were small peanuts. I want to talk about yesterday's games. And I could talk about yesterday's games for hours. The Bengals beat the Bills 27 to 10 and the Cowboys lost to the Niners. Bummer. I want to see McCarthy and the Cowboys get it done. They lost 19 to 12 in San Francisco last night. Let's start with Buffalo, Cincinnati. I said last week, Friday, I believe, that the media has been a little bit too favorable to Buffalo. We may have crowned them a little early. We may have given them credit. We may have given them the benefit of the doubt when they didn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And that's what I said on Friday. Nick Wright has been saying for the last week, and I enjoy Nick Wright, and I agree with this take. He's on Fox Sports 1. He keeps saying, we give Buffalo more credit for losing to Kansas City in the divisional round last year than we give to Cincinnati for going into Arrowhead and winning in the AFC Championship game. That's very true. Like, we gave Buffalo all the credit in the world, and we kind of forgot that Cincinnati went into Arrowhead and won. We didn't forget, but we kind of forgot, and we didn't give out credit appropriately, appropriately this season. And then the Bills poop down their leg at home and lose to Joe Burrow, who maybe should have been considered number two to Mahomes all along. Ben Kenny tweeted last night, our friend on the Bill Michaels show and on Kenny and Halpern, he tweeted last night, Josh Allen equals Aaron Rodgers of the AFC. And look, good for Ben. It did mad engagement. Ben is a businessman. But this comparison is ludicrous. This comparison, even, even jokingly being used, shows that we're giving Josh Allen too much credit. Even when we're ripping Josh Allen, we're giving him too much credit. And we're giving him too much of the benefit of the doubt. Rodgers has four MVPs. Won a Super Bowl in his third full year as a starter. He might Who knows how far they would have gone in 2009 if his defense hadn't given up 45 in Arizona. That team was unbelievable as well. Aaron Rodgers had unbelievable playoff success, was the reason that his team went to the playoffs and won playoff games. And now as he's aged, he's got a little run of bad luck. And now we want to make it as he can't get it done in the playoffs. He can't do it in the big moment. No, no, no. We, Aaron Rodgers is not Josh, Josh Allen. Okay, that is not the same. We're not making that comparison. Unless we only want to look at the last three years, then maybe we have a, a case. Maybe there's a case to be made. But comparing Aaron Rodgers' career in the aggregate to Josh Allen, come on, get out of here. Now, Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers do suffer from the same thing. They have a symptom even if they don't have the same disease, although that's a little morbid. They're always swinging for the fence. Josh Allen always uncorking 50-yard balls. And yesterday's game, like, Gabe Davis dropped a pass that was perfectly thrown. Okay, but guess what? 50-yard bombs in the snow are hard to catch. Hey, Aaron Rodgers, I understand you made a perfect throw down the sideline to Romeo Dobbs on third and one or fourth and one. Those balls are hard to catch. That's not a high percentage throw. You need to make a great throw, and then the receiver needs to make a great catch. And those deep bombs are beautiful when they work, but all too often for Josh Allen, they don't work. All too often for Aaron Rodgers, they don't work. And then you're living in second and long, third and long, fourth and long, and you're punting the ball away. They're always swinging for the fence. Now look at what Joe Burrow did yesterday. The Bengals had 30 first downs. 30. They moved the sticks 30 times. <laughs> Joe Burrow is a surgeon. 
play after play, down after down, possession after possession. He would come out, slice, dice, move the ball down the field. It was it was surgical. The Bengals had almost as many rushing first downs, 13, as the Bills had total first downs. The Bills only had 18 first downs. The Bengals had 13 of them strictly rushing the ball. Joe Mixon all of a sudden lives. Joe Mixon had 105 yards. He had over five yards of carry. Joe Mixon, despite like popular belief and despite perception of Joe Mixon, actually had a pretty crummy year. He only had one game this season before yesterday where he had 100-plus yards, and that was against the Panthers in early November. It's been a couple of months. Joe Burrow diagnosed, he executed, he sliced, he miced. He moved the ball all the live long day yesterday, up and down the field, and they didn't need explosive plays to do it. Took what the defense gave him, diagnosed this, moved that, manipulated this, made this throw over here. I mean, it was just, it was a chess match from Joe Burrow. And Josh Allen is out there just slinging balls to the moon, running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to say this retroactively now because the Super Bowl window in Green Bay is closed and Aaron Rodgers might not be on the team next year. Aaron Rodgers, the last three years, needed to be more Joe Burrow and less Josh Allen. Now, to be fair to Rodgers and Josh Allen, Joe Burrow has the weapons to go small play by small play by small play. Let's talk about roster construction. Let's talk about talent. Let's talk about weapons. And let's talk about Dallas-San Francisco. Because that's the one thing I saw when I watched Dallas-San Francisco. They have the guys. They have the weapons. They have the talent. Those two teams are loaded. The Cowboys and the Niners are stacked. And all I could think about watching last night's game is that the Packers do not have guys like that. We might try to convince ourselves that we do. It's like, well, we got a nice little secondary. You know, Jair and Rasul. It's not the Niners. It's not the Cowboys. Well, you know, if, if we think of pass catchers, I mean, Aaron Jones is the number one wide Mm-mm. It's not the same. <laughs> They're not the Niners. They're not the Cowboys. Like, we might... The Packers might try to convince themselves. They hand out big deals to their players like their superstar players, but they're not. The Cowboys have big, strong, physical hitters on defense that for the most part actually did okay versus Debo and McCaffrey especially and Kittle. I know Kittle got loose on one play, but for the most part in yesterday's game, the Cowboys actually played pretty well. Like J-Ron Curse is 6'4", 205. He's a huge safety. Trevon Diggs is 6'2", 195. Anthony Barr is not at his prime anymore, but that man's 6'5", 255. They're big. They can throw their bodies around and tackle talented athletes in space. And for the most part, they did that against the Niners yesterday. Now, they got loose on a couple plays, but they held the Niners to 19 points in their building. The Cowboys' defense has a lot of big, strong, physical hitters on their defense. The Niners on the other side of the ball, their weapons are unbelievable. Kittle, Debo, McCaffrey. I really like Jawan Jennings. In fact, I think if you put Brandon Ayuk on the Packers right now, he'd be their best wide receiver. And nobody talks about him. Brandon Ayuk is a stud. Maybe he doesn't have the top end of Watson, but Watson's got a long way to go. Brandon Ayuk is unbelievable. He runs crisp routes. He gets out of his breaks. He makes himself open. He gets open, which is the point of playing wide receiver. Last night when we were watching Cowboys Niners and George Kittle made that catch going over the middle, we all thought the same thing. I tweeted it out last night at Wisco Grant. Maybe you saw it if you follow me. If you don't follow me, you should. I tweeted, neither Robert Tunyon nor Mercedes Lewis could do that if you gave them 100 tries each. But football is about relationships. Yeah. 
this is why I hear nails on a chalkboard when I hear Aaron Rodgers talking about, I, I like my guys. I want Tunyon. I want Lazard. I want Mercedes Lewis back. I want Randall Cobb. No, you don't. <laughs> you might think that you do. You do not. Because I've been watching all these playoff football games. I don't know if Rodgers has been, but I've been. Maybe Rodgers, maybe, maybe it's like a guy who hasn't dated in 20 years and just gets divorced and thinks he's going to walk back out onto the dating scene and make it happen. No, man, you've been out of the game for a while. Rodgers, if you haven't been watching these playoff games, you don't know what's out there, man. You don't know the weaponry that some of these teams have. Randall Cobb is not that. Mercedes Lewis is not that. Al Lazard, Robert Tunyon, they're not that. The Niners, they have a, a weapon of nuclear weapon. They have nuclear weapons in their arsenal on offense. The Cowboys have all these guys on defense who can just thump. The Packers don't have any guys like this. And I want to talk about the Packers offseason coming up next because I saw so many tweets about the salary cap today, and I just won't even go there. I'll explain my frustration with salary cap Twitter and why I think Packers fans are looking at this upcoming offseason all wrong. We'll do that. Three minutes, and we'll be back on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, loaded show tonight. Loaded. So many different things I want to talk about. At some point before 6 o'clock, I'm going to praise Joe Barry. I'm going to give Joe Barry credit. Uh, that might be a little bit misleading. I'm going to rip one of Joe Barry's contemporaries. I'm going to rip another defensive coordinator who most people would consider to be far superior to Joe Barry. So I guess I'm not going to compliment Joe Barry. I'm just going to rip another defensive coordinator. And by comparison, that will make Joe Barry look better. I won't promise compliments. I will promise comparisons. We'll do that at some point. I have one Bucks take. We'll probably do that when we have one foot out the door at like 550. The Bucks play early tonight. They play the Pistons. And the Badgers play Northwestern tonight. Uh, Max Klesmet is out with, I'm assuming, a facial injury. The Badgers just called it an upper body injury. I'm assuming it's his face. I was wondering if we could do what Northwestern did and just ask to postpone the game until we're at full strength. Is that an insensitive comment to make? Maybe. It's 2023. Whatever, we can move on. The point of the Badgers situation is that Jordan Davis will be cooking tonight in the absence of Max Klusman because someone will have to, and someone needs to take those defensive reps. And as much as you all rip Jordan Davis for Connor Asijan and for other players, Jordan Davis can at least stay in front of his man. So, yeah. Badgers Northwestern tonight. They play at, I believe, 530, if I remember seeing it correctly. So we'll talk about that maybe once the game gets started. I'll have to pull up my laptop and watch live TV while doing live radio. That always goes well. 608-796-2558. Let's talk to Cone Roller. Big Badger Booster, one of our Badger basketball contributors. What's up, Cone? Hey, Grant. Um, I don't know if we're getting on the page of Badger basketball, but I saw yes. that Klesman is out, and you're hoping for a big Jordan Davis game. Is that correct? Uh, well, I'm not. I don't hope for anything. I, I, I'm an arbiter of truth. I call balls and strikes, so I, I just think it makes sense that Jordan Davis would have a good game. I'm a little frustrated that Northwestern won't let us postpone this game until we're at full strength, but I, I guess that street only goes one way. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, but should I not forward say that? By, should I not say tonight. that? By the way, should I not say that? Should I stop making that comment? Is that insensitive? No, I don't think so at all. Those nerds deserve it. Okay, um, continue. I'm sorry, but I, I like you off. Yeah. I liked your I liked your take about balls and strikes. I think that's what you know any pronounced media member should be doing is 
don't let the fan, you know, affect them. You know, you're, you're cheering for a big Jordan Davis game, but you know, you, you're just saying you're calling it how it is. Yeah. You're not hoping for anything. You're just, you know, profound media member. Well, someone's so got to play defense. Someone's got to play defense. That's what Klesman does. Somebody has got to do that. Jordan Davis plays good defense. Yeah, a good friend of mine is, is really hoping for a big Isaac Lindsay game, so we'll, uh-huh. we'll see how that goes. There are Isaac Lindsay fans out there. It's good to know there's at least one. I think there is only one, and I think we know who it is. Um, <laughs> but what, what what's your take uh, on Joe Burrow? Are you thinking this guy is going to be the next Tom Brady? Because that's kind of how I see it. I think he has that. I don't know if it's magic, but just that character inside of him where no matter what, he doesn't have to play a great game, but he'll get the win. I mean, he's played great against Buffalo, but well, ben, I, I think he's kind of the next coming of Tom yeah. Brady. Ben Kenny said this morning when I was on the morning show with those nutbags, he said that Joe Burrow is the Peyton Manning to Josh or the, the Tom Brady to Josh Allen's uh, uh, Peyton Manning. God, I trip it over my words. So that like, He's less talented, but I think he's wired in such a way. And seriously, patience is so important for quarterbacks. Like, you need to be able to stay dialed in every play and march the ball slowly up and down the field. And some of these guys just aren't wired for it. You see Josh Allen always wanting to swing for the fence. Rodgers has done that as well. Brady is content to check down, check down, little pat, little pat. Like, he doesn't need to be flashy, and I think Joe Burrow is the same way. And I think especially now the way teams play defense where it's no deep balls, nothing over the top. Joe Burrow is just wired the right way, even if he's not the most talented. Yeah, I I think you're right. The only thing I would change is instead of comparing him to Josh Allen or with the Peyton Manning, Josh Allen, I think you got to put, you know, Peyton Manning up next to uh, Patrick Mahomes because yeah. Joe Burrow kind of owns the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes we've seen these last couple of years. I mean, 3-0 and all time against the Chiefs and knocked them out last year to get to the Super Bowl. And here we are geared up for round two. In Arrowhead, the only other man to do that that I can think of over the last five years is Tom Brady in 2018. That was Mahomes' first year as a starter. I just think that over the last year, and this is a completely stolen take. This is from Nick Wright, who I really like. He's on Fox Sports 1. It's like the only studio show that I watch. I don't really watch first take. I guess a little coward, but I do like first things first. And Nick Wright keeps saying, we gave Josh Allen more credit last year for losing to Mahomes in the playoffs than we gave to Burrow for beating him in the playoffs. And maybe we didn't do that in the moment, but I feel like over the last year, we elevated Josh Allen higher than Mahomes. And I don't know if he ever deserved that. No, I don't think so. And I think uh, I saw, I mean, I think I'm sure you saw it too, but the the comparison from the Bills to the Packers this weekend yeah. is that is not a theme that Bills fans want to be seeing. No. Because we, we've lived it. We know it. Yeah. It's rather toxic. I don't like the Josh Allen Rodgers comparisons. Again, I referenced Ben Kenny. It's like the sixth time he's been mentioned, but he tweeted last night that comparison. I'm like, well, that's not fair. Right, because Roger, Rodgers, after all that he accomplished, has the right to struggle a little bit in the playoffs. It's still not ideal, and I don't want him to struggle in the playoffs, but he's earned the right to have some bad playoff games. Josh Allen hasn't earned anything, right? Never an MVP vote. Uh, well, maybe he has a vote. I'm not sure, but never made a Super Bowl, never got past the conference championship. He's only been to the conference championship once, so I, I don't really like that comp. No, I don't either. I was going to say immediately, you know, Rodgers is better. So Much. Yeah. Much better. 100% agree. Uh, Badger prediction before we let you go? 
I'm going Badgers 63, oh. Northwestern 56. This game's in Northwest. It's in Evanston, right? Okay, so then reduce my point total I, no, by 10 no, points. No, I'm, a, I'm asking Badgers you because I, I don't know. <laughs> I, it must be. Why else did they play so early? No, it is. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Drop the drop the scores down. Yeah, it's probably going to be arena. raining somehow too. Are you a fan of their arena? I kind of like the purple that they incorporate into the court. Northwestern basketball arena. I know what it looks like. I just I just want to refresh myself real quick. Oh yeah, that's dope. Actually, I really like that. Yeah, the stadium's nothing special. I think it's just it, someone looks like a high school with all the bleachers, but the the court itself, I, I really like. Well. At least Northwestern has lights. You can't say the same for all high schools, so let's not drop it down to high school level. Come on now. True. I had a you know I have a good buddy in Madison, and he was just enjoying another you know quiet Friday night. More to come, and let's keep it up. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the call, Cone. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Grant. Yeah. Have a good night. That's Cone Roller. Thank you for the Badger preview. I'm glad we got that in there. We have a lot of time tonight to talk NFL. I guess I opened Pandora's box by proclaiming tonight the Jordan Davis night. Someone's got to defend. If Max Klesman isn't out there, someone's got to defend. Someone has to play defense. And I love Connor Siegen, but it's not going to be him. And God, Carter Gilmore can't stay in front of anybody. He can't stay in front of guys. And most of the time he's not in front of guys because he gets lost and he loses his assignment. So it's not even about him staying in front of someone. It's about him standing in the right place, which you can never bet money on. We're going to have to fire up the Greg Gard gauge tonight, ladies and gentlemen. God, that's exciting. I love that. I love that. So just after the game, look to the socials. Either it's my Twitter account, at Wisco Grant, or the show Facebook page, and I will be updating the Greg Gard gauge to reflect uh, fan perception of him, which I'm tracking very closely. I have lots of different uh, qualitative and quantitative ways that I'm doing it, and it's reflected in the Greg Gard gauge. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God, you're in for a treat when I tweet it out after the game tonight. Let's take a break. We'll get back into the Packers why the off-season discourse is driving me nuts. So a lot of tweets today that got me going. And I almost made a Twitter video, but I didn't have time. I, I took too long of a lunch break, so you'll just get it in radio form next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name is grant bills we're talking nfl talking about the divisional round games we need a nickname for this round like it's super wild card weekend maybe the dynamite divisional round just spitballing here i'm not married to anything yet maybe you have ideas tweet them at me at wisco grant you can call the show 608-796-2558 we're gonna sprinkle badger takes throughout right like if the show is a, a four course meal you know if they have palate cleansers a lot of football takes, hard-hitting analysis, cogent analysis. And we'll mix some Badger basketball thoughts in there as well as they play Northwestern tonight, I believe, at 5.30. Shoot, I was going to check that over the commercial break, and I did not. So I will try to remember next commercial break. I'm 99% sure it's 5.30. I've seen a lot of Packers discourse on the timeline today, and I see a lot of it. Obviously, I follow a lot of Packer people. Ken Ingles, the Packers cap guy has just been having a day every day for the last week. He's like, well, if the, if the Packers restructure Yash Neishman and do this, blah, blah, blah. 
if, if the Packers just extend Adrian Amos and move this money here, no. No, 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 no. No. And if I don't talk about salary cap stuff on the show, it's not because I'm too lazy to learn about the, the facts and the figures, the numbers, if you will, the data. I don't think it matters this offseason. I think all of the small potatoes this offseason don't matter. I think Aaron Rodgers and his return to this team in a weird, messed up way, in a surprising way, I think it's small potatoes to this team because I don't think the Packers are any good next year, good, relatively any good. I don't think they're contending next year with or without Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they're contending if they restructure Josh Deisman or extend Adrian Amos and push out his money to create $2.2 million of cap space. I can't imagine spending my free time trying to figure out that crap. Oh, my God. Whether Rodgers comes back, whether Aaron Jones is here, whether they can free up two and a half million bucks by extending some safety that no one cares about. I don't care. I watched the games this weekend. These teams are way better. The Niners' weaponry is 10 times what the Packers' weaponry is. So I'm talking about running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, pass catchers. Let's go Craig Council with it. The Niners' pass catchers are so much better than the Packers. The Cowboys, the Cowboys' defense, they have strong Big hitters on the defense that actually stacked up and tackled those Niners weapons pretty darn well. I, I, I wrote down some heights and weights. Yeah, I went off today. J-Ron Kerr, 6'4", 205. That's a safety. Trayvon Diggs, 6'2", 195. Anthony Barr, off-ball linebacker, 6'5", 255. That's not an edge rusher. That's a man who plays in space. The Cowboys are big and strong. The Niners are fast and dangerous and explosive. The Packers have none of that. None of that, other than a young Christian Watson and a, a, a we'll see, I don't know, on Romeo Dobbs. That's it. That's all. So miss me with the Cheesehead TV articles written about, well, we can create, let me get my pen and paper here. We, 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 we could create $2.5 million of cap space if we just extend Adrian Amos. Screw Adrian Amos. I, I don't care. Adrian Amos is here next year. Not, he's not good enough. He's not up to snuff. So if they want to keep him around, great. If they want to cut him loose, great. If they, Whatever they want to do with him, I don't care. We need a new attitude on this team. We need new leadership. We need new voices. We need to foundationally start over. I'm not saying they need to strip it down to the studs. That's not what I'm saying. You can redo a house. You, you can do renovation, it down to the studs. But we need to change the character of the house. You, you, you have a friend, or maybe you've done this, where your house is getting a little dated, and you're like, it's time for a facelift. Now, you're not stripping the house all the way down. You're not rebuilding the house. But when you come in or when you have friends and family over after the rebuild, they're like, I, this doesn't even look like the same home. This, I, I don't even recognize it in here. That's what the Packers need to do. Not strip it all the way down to the foundation, pour new concrete. They don't need to bottom out and go 2-14 and 14 or 2-5, and fit, whatever. The, you know what I mean. They don't need to do that. But they need to completely overhaul who is leading this team, who is speaking for this team, and they need to get younger and bigger and stronger and harder hitting and more energetic and more explosive. All of the things. So I watch the Cowboys. That's a dangerous team. I watch the Niners. That's a dangerous team. They will eat you. And the Packers just kind of tiptoe into the playoffs and like, man, I hope we don't embarrass ourselves this year. No, 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 no. New attitude. Need a complete overhaul. 100%. So if I'm not spending time this offseason saying, well, you know, Adrian Amos' uh, salary cap hit this next year, it is guaranteed, but b- because it's a signing bonus pre-June 1, 
uh, the money is actually spread out over the next three seasons. And therefore, the Packers can use this to create $1.9 million, which they can allocate to this player over here who's also not any good and has come up short in the playoffs multiple times. And if they're able to bring back him, then they won't need to draft a player at this position. So then they can waste that pick uh, on a tight end who who isn't really a tight end, uh, more of an H-back, if you will, and and can just really play the Matt LaFleur system well, uh, can do a little blocking, can play in the backfield, also could line up wide if need be, and, and can catch the ball. Uh, but that's only if he's able to learn the intricacies of this offense, which we don't really know what that's like because Aaron Rodgers has a million hand signals, uh, but also he doesn't. That's a big nothing burger, apparently. And, uh, and Matt LaFleur really can't run his system, but we're going to draft the players designed to fit his system. I know, what an issue we're having. But uh, back to the original point, if we just clear two and a half million dollars i really think this packers team could go places this offseason I, I i don't care about any of it it's all small potatoes in five years i want to be able to look back at this last year's team and be like oh, i remember him that's right i haven't thought about him in five years because the guy they got to replace him is way better because the younger guy they drafted to take his spot is better and checks all these boxes that that old guy doesn't check i i, I just I, i'm over so much of the the traditional packers discourse this offseason I'm not following along with Adam Schefter and what he's saying about Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. He said the same things all of the last two or three off seasons. And that's not to say that like the Packers couldn't trade Aaron Rodgers. I'm not, I'm not Schefter denying. I'm not a Schefter denier. No denying. I just don't care because he said the same things last year and the year before. And maybe he's right this year. I, sure. And if the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers, I will salute him. I will stand at the end of my driveway and look at the Packers flag on my flagpole, which I don't have because I live in an apartment, but I'm painting a picture. And I will salute him. And I'll say, best of luck in your next, your next mission. And we're going to take that first round pick and try to not waste it. Try, try to not draft another Josiah DeGuara or A.J. Dillon because this just ain't working. This is not working. All of this is small potatoes. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can call the show if you'd like, 608-796-2558. If you have Badger basketball, I'll take. I'll take it. If you have a buck steak, I'll take it. Ooh. Coach Budenholzer, eight minutes ago, on Giannis and Chris Middleton. We expect them both to play unless something happens between now and tip. <laughs> this effing guy. This guy. Just say yes, Coach Bud. Just say yes. Unbelievable. And they won't say anything about injuries. This organization. Like I said, 608-796-2558. Couple more Packers takes. Couple more things I want to get off my chest. And then at 5 o'clock, we'll kind of reset the show. Maybe talk about the Cowboys game yesterday. Maybe talk about McCarthy. Maybe talk about some coaching, some quarterback play, whatever. There's so many different things we could chew on and discuss from this weekend. Whatever you want to discuss, I'd love to discuss as well. We'll be back. The Wisco Sports Show in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills, and I am I am thrilled tonight. I feel like a fattened calf. A week full or a weekend full of division around football, some great games and quarterback performances and coaching moments. I want to talk about it all. I think this weekend taught us so much about the Packers. I don't want to have a lot of those discussions tonight. And the Badgers and the Bucks both play within the next hour. And Chris Middleton and Giannis are back tonight per coach Mike Budenholzer. Wow, I, I am just happy as a clam. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call the show. And Todd has done exactly that. What's up, Todd? Hey, Grant, I just had to uh, talk to you, like, remember the year that uh, Burrow came out? 
Um, I called up uh, ESPN Radio. Was done up, you know, Jim Miller and Jim mm-hmm. the other guy was on the was on the satellite radio station, ESPN radio station. Yeah. Did you hear some trades? So I told him I was going to trade him Aaron Rodgers to the. I said you're going to be the Cincinnati Bengals general manager. I'm going to trade you Aaron Rodgers for the Bengals first three round first picks and the second or third round pick, and I'm going to draft Burrow. That year that he came on, I was going to draft Burrow that year, and um, he said he couldn't do it. Jim Miller said, I can't do that to the Packer fans. Um, I said, well, I'm, I'm the Packers general manager. I said, they'll yeah. probably fire me, but I'm going, to, I'm going to be doing the deals. He said, but that's what he said, he couldn't do the deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, Joe Burrow is so interesting. Not the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. He's not the most talented, but... He just does winning things. I know it's lame, and I guess this is what people said about Brady for the longest time. And Brady's won a bunch of Super Bowls, so I, I feel a little wrong comparing him to Brady, but just the traits, just the, the, the physical traits of the quarterbacks are so similar in the way that they play. But the Packers, they would add another good quarterback for another century. They would add Fred Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and they would add Burrell now. Do you think the Bengals would have done it? I feel like you can only do that with dumb teams. And the Bengals historically have been very dumb. And it's amazing now that Joe Burrow gets there. They're well coached and the defense looks good and they make good personnel decisions. It's wild how that happens, Todd. Larry Rodgers was better back then when they had the, when the Bengals drafted Burrow. So they, would, they, they probably would have, they might have done it. Yeah. If hindsight was twenty twenty, do you think they'll trade him this offseason? I think the way the Packers going, they're going to let Aaron Rodgers do whatever he wants to do. I get I trade Aaron Rodgers, but they're going to, they're going to let Aaron Rodgers do what he wants to do. Yeah. He's God. <laughs> do you think he'd trade himself? Do you think he'll get on the phone specifically and call other general managers and negotiate the deal himself? No, like you said before, like when the other like last week you were talking about Aaron Rodgers, he he really if he went to the Colts or something, they'd want him. They'd want his fans would want him gone if he was bad, like you were saying. I, I think that's why he's going to stick it in. He's going to stay in Green Bay until he's done. He should. I think that just makes the most sense. Hey, Todd, I appreciate the call, and yeah. job well done on being very right a couple of years ago on trading Aaron Rodgers for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Well, Grant, you have a nice night. Yeah, you as well, Todd. I appreciate the call. Todd saw Joe Burrow coming before anyone else did. I, I just, I wonder. Eric Eager tweeted yesterday. I think it's the, I'm just going to go find the tweet because I don't want to misquote him. Um, let's see. He tweeted this 23 hours ago. If San Francisco wins tonight, we are guaranteed another Super Bowl with a quarterback on rookie money, which has happened every season from 2012 uh, to present other than 2016. And the 2016 Super Bowl was, I guess, Matt Ryan versus Brady. But that was when everything came together in Atlanta when Kyle Shanahan was there and Dan Quinn was like, those were just, uh, that was two really good teams. And the Falcons just got to dog walk all over the Packers that year in 2016, who did not belong in the NFC Championship game. They were only there because Rodgers took him there. And again, I'm not going to fault Rodgers for that, and I don't really fault him for 2019 either. A little bit more fault in 2019, but none. No fault in 2016. Yeah, Joe Burrow is that guy. I just wonder moving forward to kind of build off of what Todd said, if general managers are going to be a little bit more aggressive in moving off Hall of Fame quarterbacks. This is so hard. Vikings fans and Bears fans, if you're listening, you you don't get how hard this is. You don't get how hard it is to move off of or to think about moving off of your Hall of Fame quarterback, your franchise, even when it's best for your franchise, right? 
Like, the Saints knew that what they were doing with Drew Brees at the end was not smart. Ted Thompson knew it. Ted Thompson was just one of the few general managers that would actually make the trade and move off of Favre, right? And the fans killed him. Ted didn't care. He's like, I don't care what you guys say. I'm going to go watch some Western Michigan film. Don't bother me. I'm going to lock the door and hang out there by myself. Can't wait. That's how Ted Thompson passed his time. Yeah, I wonder moving forward if teams are just going to be more hesitant to... With Aaron Rodgers and the Mahomes and the most talented quarterbacks, it's going to be tough, but with quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins or quarterback like Josh Allen, whose high end is really good, but his low end can completely lose you a game. His middle of the road game cannot be enough to win you a game. I just wonder how general managers are going to operate in five years. Because look at how much general managers have changed since 2016. Saquon Barkley was what? The second pick in the draft, the fourth pick. Which pick was he? He was a top five pick today. That is inconceivable. And it happened within the last 10 years. It happened super recently, last eight years, last seven years, however long it's been. It's happened really recently. And I, and I, and I wonder that in five or six years, the different ways in which general managers will handle quarterbacks. Cause we always feel like the status quo is never going to change. And we, we have the league figured out and we know so much. Give it five years. And you'll look back at this draft and this postseason and think, man, what, what were teams doing? What were general managers doing? What was Brian Gutekinds doing? the offseason of 2022 in the offseason of 2023, right? I don't care if Rodgers comes back or not. I do care if Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. I care if those guys are back. That's a non-starter for me. That's an absolute no, right? And I think it's it's actually really helpful to think of the Packers this offseason as a basketball team. I think it's a really useful exercise to think of the Packers as a basketball team. Think of them as an NBA team, Right? On an NBA team, it's really important to have leaders. It's really important to have veteran voices, experienced guys, even if they don't play, even if they don't contribute anything. Miami Heat fans will tell you, Heat culture only made possible by Udonis Haslam, who's been in the league like 37 years. It's great to have a defensive pest on the roster. Dylan Brooks in Memphis or Marcus Smart in Boston. It's really useful to just have that one guy who's really annoying and annoys opposing fans annoys opposing player, just that annoying guy, even if they're not great offensively, or even in the case of Brooks and Marcus Smart, even if they're not consistent every night offensively. You can have one or two of those guys on your team. You can have a leader. You can have a guy who's there as a defensive pest, as an energy guy. You can have one or two of those guys. But you know what really matters? You know what really matters on an NBA roster? Can you shoot? Can, can you shoot? Can you go get a bucket? Does... Does the defense have to respect you and treat you as a threat? That's what matters. Do you keep the defense honest? Right? Can you shoot? Can you make sure that the defense doesn't have to forget about you when you're out out there? And the Packers have way too many guys that the defense doesn't have to respect. They have way too many guys who can't shoot. They have way too many guys who are out there for leadership or, or to be a defensive pass, to be a folk hero type of player. And the opposing defense is like, we don't have to cover that guy. We, we, don't, we don't have to stretch all the way out. We, if that guy wants to stand in the corner and, and brick threes off the side of the backboard, we'll let him. Or you know, that guy's not going to shoot. We don't have to worry about him. It's not that Robert Tunyon and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Mercedes Lewis, it's not that they can't make big plays. They can do it here and there. I think of that one huge throw that Aaron Rodgers had in Miami down the sideline to Mercedes Lewis. Unbelievable play. But that's one play. And opposing defenses, no. Okay, if Mercedes Lewis beats us one time, okay, fine. What about the rest of the game? 
You know what I mean? If if Andre Roberson, deep cut, well, not that deep cut, but a somewhat recent deep cut of the NBA, if Andre Roberson makes a three, we'll live with it. That doesn't mean we're going to shape our defense to defend him 35 feet away from the basket every possession. We'll live with that shot that goes in. And defenses can look at Lazard or Tunyon. And, oh, my God, what a great over-the-shoulder catch. Oh, they got us once. That got him to the 50, or that got the Packers in. Knows they're not going to do anything with it. God knows they're not going to score. God knows that Alan Lazard or Mercedes Lewis, they're not going to do that again. Think of this Packers offense as an NBA team. How many shooters are out there? How many guys does the defense have to respect? And how many guys can the defense say, ah, oh, if that guy beats us, it's fine. Because I feel like the Packers have way too many non-shooters out there. And I get that Rodgers loves his buddies and football is about relationships. It's about relationships a little. Not very much, though. You know what really helps relationships between players? Winning and scoring points and moving the ball up and down the field. That, that, that's what's really good for the relationship of the team. That's what's really good for the locker room, as Aaron Rodgers would say, with an accent that I, I, I don't comprehend. I don't know where that accent came from. The locker room. The locker room, guys. It's a relationship game. It's what goes on in the locker room. Okay. You know what makes the locker room really happy? Winning games. Winning games. And I, I'm just I'm just over most of their guys on offense and a lot of their guys on defense. Because I watch the Cowboys. They got some guys on defense. And the Niners have a, a nuclear war chest of pieces on offense. The Packers aren't sniffing that. Now with Watson, they're off to a good start. Let's get two or three more guys like that. And then maybe we can cook with that gas with 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. Then maybe we can get it going with Jordan Love. Maybe. But at the very least, we'll be building towards the future of a team that's dynamic and explosive. And it's a team of shooters that the opposing team actually has to respect. And right now, there's so many guys in this offense. Ah, I'll just leave them. If they hit a three on us, if they make one three, it'll be fine. If they put one, if they make one catch, it'll be fine. Too many non-threats, too many non-shooters out there. Take a two-minute break. Hour two of the Wisco Sports Show. Next. Final play. It looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turf. Gets smoked right away. And that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I have a good, good friend who's a Bears fan. And sometimes I just like sending him tweets because I know he'll get upset. <laughs> He's a very emotional, very fiery fan, very fiery friend, and I love him dearly. And I always will. Uh, but I just sent him this tweet from 670 The Score. Should the Bears pursue Saquon Barkley if he hits free agency? At Danny Parkins usually isn't a fan of paying running backs much money, but he might make an exception for Barkley given the circumstances. Watch on our YouTube channel. So I just sent it to him. Thoughts? Question mark? <laughs> Let's see what he says. I hope he gets really mad. Uh, we'll report back. I will let you know if he responds. And is upset. This is the Wisco Sports Show, where we troll our friends, whether they're Bears fans, Vikings fans, Packers fans, where we send each other tweets to try to work each other up. It's what we do here. It's a big family. Speaking of family, I was able to swing by the luxurious studios this morning of WOZN in Madison, our Madison affiliate. I was able to see Nelson 
and Ebo and Mr. Ben Kenny and even Zach Heilprin. And I made Zach Heilprin's day by only waving at him through the window of his office and not going in to talk to him. You're welcome, Zach. It was literally the nicest thing I could have done today. I walked past a homeless person on the way to work. I didn't offer that person money. No, no, no. I, I actually think I did, I did more good for more people today by not trying to talk to Zach and just leaving him alone. I feel like I did my one good. I, I feel like that's two or three good deeds in one, honestly. We love Zach. And I look forward to Kenny and Heilprin tomorrow night. We'll have some fresh Badgers content for them to break down because the Badgers play Northwestern coming up in about a half hour. Max Klesmet is out with a facial injury. We assume Jordan Davis will start in his stead. A little frustrated that the Badgers couldn't simply ask for a uh, postponement until they were at full strength, but I guess Northwestern is the only team allowed to do that. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call and talk Packers, talk Divisional Round Weekend, which I'm which I'm naming Dynamite Divisional Weekend. I really like Super Wild Card Weekend. I thought that was clever, and I enjoy the bit. I enjoy saying it. I wish there was a nickname for the Divisional Round. We don't have one, so I'm working on it. If you'd like to talk about the games from yesterday or the Packers, or the Badgers, love to have you, 608-796-2558, or you can tweet me at Wisco Grant. Our poor guy, Mike McCarthy, let's talk about this Cowboys game. We talked a little bit about their defense. Some of these big, hefty, hard-hitting, good-tackling guys, they just got they just got bulldogs on defense, and the Packers do not, so we've talked a little bit about that, but we haven't talked about this game through the perspective of Mike McCarthy or the perspective of Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback. Let's talk about Mike McCarthy's adventure in San Francisco last night. And it was an adventure. A lot of ups and downs for our friend Mike McCarthy. I feel bad for him. He wasn't perfect. He didn't do all of the things that he probably should have done last night. He didn't nail this game to the cross 100%. It wasn't a 10 for 10. And we can talk about his missteps in a few minutes. But I do want to defend Mike McCarthy a little bit here. He drew a rough hand last night, okay? His team's going on the road as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Then Tony Pollard gets hurt. Tony Pollard's their best offensive player. He's just so, he's explosive, he's physical, he's all the things that the Cowboys need to launch an offensive attack, and an offensive attack in which they don't ask Dak to do too much, right? Now when Tony Pollard gets hurt, now all of a sudden Dak's got to do a lot more heavy lifting because Zeke Elliott just isn't that good. CeeDee Lamb, I'm told he's a number one. His numbers at times would suggest he's a number one. I'm just left underwhelmed watching him sometimes. I just, I need more impact on the game. And I understand the Niners were really good defense and all that, but I'm just left wanting more with him. And that's the situation Mike McCarthy's trying to coach through. He's got a kicker that can't hit extra points, which would have been a statistical anomaly last week and a big nothing burger this week except he plays for the Cowboys and it becomes a huge soap opera because it's the Cowboys. And then during warmups, Jerry Jones comes down onto the field, which owners should never do. As an owner, I know my place in the football business and it is on the business side of things. I let my football people run the football side of things. I would never go down onto the field as my colleague Jerry Jones did, creating more drama, getting more eyeballs down there. So Mike McCarthy's dealing with that. He's dealing with a quarterback, Dak Prescott, that loves turning the ball over. And then he's dealing with his offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, who exacerbates Dak Prescott's turnover problem with a game plan that includes a bunch of button hooks, a bunch of curl routes, a bunch of routes that are contested, and a bunch of routes that give Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward opportunities to jump. And they did. 
I understand that it's tough to protect for that long against this Niners team, and it's tough to get things going down the field. I don't know if quick-hitting short routes in traffic were the move, especially because quick-hitting short routes in traffic have gotten the Cowboys into trouble this year. Like, that's where Dak Prescott has had deflected balls. Balls have been intercepted. So I just, I don't know. I don't really know what Kellen Moore's doing. I'm not going to pretend that I grind all 22 and watch offensive coordinator breakdown videos, but that was my read on it. Dalton Schultz can't catch the ball, and when he does, he can't get out of bounds. Jake Ferguson makes those plays, just saying, by the way. So Mike McCarthy is dealing with all these things. And even though Mike McCarthy wasn't perfect, Dak Prescott got the ball down seven with, I believe, all three timeouts. I believe. And he doesn't just come up short. He doesn't just not get it done. He pees down his leg. He almost throws an interception, probably should have been intercepted by Dre Greenlaw. And then almost takes a safety. Like, he just almost goes down in the end zone before throwing it away. I don't remember what happened on third down, but obviously it didn't work because they went three and out. They punt the ball. Am I supposed to feel bad for Dak Prescott because his coach punted the ball away earlier in the game? Dak had chances. Now, Dak could have had another chance, sure, if they go for it on that fourth and five, but let's not act like Dak Prescott was boned by his head coach yesterday. Dak Prescott had chances, and that head coach, Mike McCarthy, had plenty of other issues to deal with. The last issue on his mind should be his $40 million quarterback because when you're paid that much, you're expected to deal with shortcomings. You're expected to deal with injuries, and you're expected to deal with you know, roster weaknesses here and there, and Dak just hasn't. And not only has he not dealt with it, he hasn't overcome, but he just he doesn't do enough, and he turns the ball over. So I'm not going to feel bad for Dak Prescott because his coach punted the ball away once. Dak had his chances. However, we can learn a very important lesson from Mike McCarthy yesterday. I like going for it on fourth down. Most coaches should all of the time because a punt is a turnover when you think about it. If you punt the ball, you're giving them the ball. So if you think, well, we could punt or we could go for it on fourth down. Well, if you punt, you know you're losing the ball. If you go for it, you might retain possession. You might get another set of downs to play with. So going for it on fourth down is always a good thing. As I've said for the last two years, I want to be proven why I shouldn't go for it. The burden of proof is on the field goal guy. If you're trying to convince me to kick a field goal, you need to convince me to kick a field goal. You used to be back in the day like, no, we should go for this. No, 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 no. That's not how it works anymore. I assume that you should always go for it. The exception has to be the field goal, and you the burden of proof is on the field goal guy to convince me as to why I shouldn't go for it, as to why I should punt it, or why I should kick a field goal. You know what I mean? The baseline assumption should be fourth down. We're going for it. That being said, we, we watched a very interesting turn of events with Mike McCarthy yesterday play out, and I want to highlight it because this is what I wrote down yesterday during the game. I said, this is a great example. I want to talk about it on the show. If a team is trailing in the fourth quarter, they're going to have to go at some point. And by go, I mean go for it on a fourth down, uh, go for a two-point conversion, et cetera, et cetera. If a team is trailing in the fourth quarter, they're going to have to make a play. They're going to have to go at some point, right? And usually, as was the case last night, the opportunities to go don't get better as the game goes along. Perfect example last night. So the Cowboys have the ball. Let's start with 6.09 left in the fourth quarter. Cowboys have the ball. It's a tie game, 9-9, nine to nine, and they're on San Francisco's 40-yard line. They're in field goal range, not ideal field goal range, but they're in field goal range in a tie game, and they're on the San Francisco side of the 50. Fourth and five, six minutes left, 9-9. Nine to nine, And McCarthy elects to punt the ball. Okay, not what I would have done. Again, Go for it on fourth down. You need to prove to me as to why I shouldn't go for it on fourth down. I thought there were plenty of reasons to go for it on fourth down. 
I don't like punting on the plus side of the 50 ever. If you wanted to kick a field goal, okay, Mike McCarthy knows his kicker. He knew the circumstances better than anyone else. He decides to punt. Okay, Mike McCarthy basically says in this moment, we need to go at some point. That time is not right now. We are going to punt and pass on this opportunity. Now, the next time the Cowboys get the ball back, they're down 19 to 12 because San Francisco went down and scored because, of course, they did. Dallas had fourth and 10 at their own 18. Fourth and 10 at their own 18 compared to fourth and five at San Francisco's 40. Situation didn't improve. The opportunity to go didn't get any better. The fourth down didn't get any more makeable. And Mike McCarthy's like, I can't go for it on fourth and 10 in my own 18. So he punts the ball away. Mike McCarthy in that moment, I bet, would be dying to go for it on fourth and five at at the opposing team's 40. But he missed that opportunity. Okay, he passes up the opportunity to go for it on fourth and 10. Punch the ball away. The next time the Cowboys have the ball, they have Ezekiel Elliott playing center. Right? So this is a great message for head coaches. This is a great message for decision makers. If you realize that you're on the ropes, you're trailing, you're behind the eight ball, especially on the road, especially as an underdog, and you realize that at some point we're going to have to go for a fourth down, at some point we're going to have to go for a two-point conversion, it's always better to do it sooner rather than later because chances are your situation is not going to improve. Chances are the next fourth down that you feel like you should go for is not going to be a better one than the one you have. It's better to be aggressive and stay on top of something then wait for the game to almost get completely out of hand. Then you're forced to go for it on fourth down. Then you're facing fourth and 10 plus in your own territory. Well, you can't do that. So you're punting the ball away again. Very important lesson learned from Mike McCarthy last night. If you're behind the eight ball, if you're on the ropes and your team needs to make a play, if your team needs to go, go for it on fourth down, go for a two-point conversion. Do it sooner rather than later because the situation is probably not going to improve as it didn't improve with McCarthy and the Cowboys. Don't wait for a better opportunity. Probably not going to get one. All right, so that was Cowboys Niners last night, and we talked about the rosters and the talent and how that relates to the Packers. I want to talk about quarterbacks. All right, let's shift to this. Let's. Last week, I said that we had a quarterback bubble in the AFC. This is what I said last Wednesday, last Thursday. I went on Bart Winkler's podcast. We recorded on Tuesday morning. I remember bringing it up then. I probably talked about it on Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday. I was preaching this last week. We have a quarterback bubble in the AFC. Like we had a housing bubble in the early 2000s that eventually popped in 2008. Right? We have a bubble. The stock of every young quarterback in the AFC is sky high. Oh, Joe Burrow's the best. Joe Cool, he's so swaggy. He's so confident. He leads his team. He elevates everybody. Oh, Josh Allen, rocket arm. He's just as good as Mahomes. He's got all the physical traits. The Bills are Super Bowl favorites right now. God, Josh Allen's so good. Remember that game he played against Mahomes in the playoffs last year? Justin Herbert finally has a real team around him. Finally has some weapons to throw to. And man, the, 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 the Chargers are in the playoffs. Look at them go. They're a dark horse out of the five seed. And Trevor Lawrence, wow, the, the prince that was promised, some are calling him. He looks unbelievable, and, and, and they're ready for a playoff berth. And Patrick Mahomes, oh, my God, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's him. The stock of every young quarterback in the AFC is sky high. And in sports, right, for one player's stock to go up, it normally comes at the expense of another player's stock, right? I'm going to try to think of an NBA example. So if Zion Williamson and John Morant 
were to meet up in the playoffs this year. Actually, let's not do that because Zion's really young. Let's do if Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry. Nah, I don't like that one either. No, I'm going to get this right. We're going to take our time with this. If Ja Morant and Devin Booker were to meet up in the playoffs this year, I kind of like that comparison. Neither guy's won MVPs. Devin Booker's been to a finals, but it was one kind of flash in the year, you know, type of thing, flash in the pan year. So let's say Devin Booker and Ja Morant meet in the playoffs. Similar enough players, both trying to prove that they're on the next step. Both, both trying to prove that they're that guy and they're about to elevate, right? Now, if Ja Morant bests Devin Booker, John Moran is building up his legacy and where he stands in the league, but that's that's gonna that's gonna be to the detriment of Devin Booker. If Devin Booker is able to toadstool or to jump over John Morant, he's going to build up his stock in the league, and that's gonna be the detriment of John Morant. It's the same in the NFL. Right? If Josh Allen is going to raise himself to the next level, he's going to have to beat Justin Herbert. He's going to have to beat Joe Burrow, and that will hurt their stock. If Joe Burrow's going to raise his stock further, that's going to hurt Josh Allen's stock, and we saw that this weekend, right? So we had a stock bubble with the young quarterbacks in the AFC, and the bubble's about to burst. I said this last week because not all these guys can advance to the divisional round and beyond the divisional round. There's not enough food at the AFC table for all these quarterbacks to eat. Only one of these guys gets to make the Super Bowl. And right now, we look at all these guys as if they're infallible. Burrow, Allen, Herbert, Lawrence, Mahomes. The honeymoon period, by the way, ends for Josh Allen this week. That stock, that bubble, bursted. Joe Burrow has raised his stock, and it's to the detriment of Josh Allen. The honeymoon period for Justin Herbert, over. Or at least it would be over if people cared about the Chargers. But people don't care about the Chargers. It's going to be very interesting how we talk about these AFC quarterbacks after this weekend, after next weekend, and going into the offseason. Because they were all infallible. They were all perfect tens coming into this playoffs. Now, Mahomes has more pelts on his wall. Joe Burrow has more pelts on his wall. So their legacy is, is less fragile. But Josh Allen? Ooh. Justin Herbert? Ooh. They're going to take some hits. They're going to take some slings and arrows from the media. That honeymoon period is over. Let's talk to Mark. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show, Mark. What's going on? Hey, Chris. Uh, I was coming up with some better uh, NBA examples for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Jordan had to go through Isaiah Thomas, yeah. and then he had to beat Magic for his first one. Yep. Now, maybe Magic was on the decline because of his age, but that would be a perfect example of someone's stock is finally going up because you know everyone knew Jordan was good, but he couldn't win, quote-unquote, the big game. Yeah. And he had to go through Detroit, and then he had to go through the Lakers to do it, which cemented his and began his legacy. And then from there, it was just everything um with these afc quarterbacks i have a sneaking suspicion that the stock is going to be volatile for years yeah they're good enough that next year a lot of these scripts are going to flip and you're going to see justin herbert beat out mahomes or josh allen beat joe burrow for the first time and they're going to they're going to trade places back and forth for years to come and it's not going to be that all of a sudden josh allen is going to be a horrible quarterback for the next five years. I think it's going to go back and forth, and it's going to be really interesting. Every year, the stock is going to change. It's going to constantly be bearable, or whatever you want to put it, for a stock analogy. But you I know, think that's going to be interesting moving forward. And you know what's great is Trevor Lawrence is in that conference as well. The Texans are probably right. going to take a quarterback at one or wherever they pick. The Colts are probably going to take a young quarterback. So this conference is only going to get more interesting. And who knows, if Brady or Rodgers goes to play for the Raiders or the Jets, like the AFC is the conference to watch from a quarterback perspective. And there's only so many spots to get in the playoffs, and there's only so many guys that can advance past the first weekend of the playoffs. So it's just, 
it's going to be so cutthroat. I think there's going to be good quarterbacks in the AFC that are just beat out by better quarterbacks for years to come. And I don't even really think it's going to be their fault. It's just how talented the AFC is. Right. And you factor in the defenses and the coaches they have. I mean, you, you get a guy like I, I heard this morning, Evo and those cats were talking about how, oh, if we would have traded Rodgers and gotten Joe Burrow, sure. But would have Burrow bought into LaFleur's coaching and would, would he have been the same talent? Sure. Maybe, maybe not. So it's, it's part of it is like what's surrounding them as much as their talent. I mean, Rodgers proved that. His talent took him very, very far. But what was surrounded with him, what could they surround him with, that, that all factors into their stock rising or falling. We're not really good with context as we evaluate uh, quarterbacks or the best right. players in the NBA. We, we just, yeah. Mark, we just kind of think what we think, and, and that's what we do. And yeah. moving forward, there's going to be guys who are, like, blind defenders of Josh Allen, and there's going to be guys in the media who, like, build part of their NFL media platform on hating Josh Allen. Like, we're, we're going to develop camps. We're going to develop sides. It's going to be really entertaining, and I'm glad that I don't have a quarterback in the AFC mix right now because that looks brutal. Right. A quarterback oh, yeah. position is one of those positions where – there's no middle ground. You either love them to death and you will defend everything they do, yep. or you will never want them on your team and you will never want to talk to them and you think they're horrible. And there's no middle ground unless you're not a sports fan. If you're not a sports fan, then you probably don't care either way. But, yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know if there's another position in sports where there's that much you either love them or hate them. Yeah. God, I can't wait. This is going to be super fun, Mark. And I can't wait till next weekend. We get Mahomes and Burrow and Arrowhead. That's just going to be great. And Eagles, Niners, I guess. But the AFC just feels like the, the, the AFC feels like the SEC and the NFC kind of feels like the Pac-12. The AFC right now is the NFC of the 80s and 90s. Yeah, there was sure. that long run. There was that long run where the AFC couldn't win a Super Bowl to save their life. And it was just a crazy run. It's like the AL beating up on the NL in the All-Star game. So dumb. I don't know why that bothers me. It does bother me, though. It shouldn't, but it it does. The NL needs to get this one this year. Also, the Brewers need to not suck. Also, I need to take a commercial break, Mark. I have to let you go, but I appreciate the call. Giddy up. Enjoy your commercial. Yeah, you as well. Enjoy your night, Mark. Thank you. 608-796-2558. Let's take a three-minute break. We'll come back. We'll continue this riveting discussion next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.